Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Jacob Albrock. Tommy Kester, this is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. All right, welcome in, everybody. It is a Wednesday here on Sports Daily. Glad to be here with you today. Jacob Albrock here alongside Tommy Castor, Jad Chambers producing. Uh, what a show we have in store for you. It is a Wednesday in college basketball season. You know, it's, we, we are into the postseason of the NFL. These coaching carousels are interesting. Uh, a big-time firing yesterday that, boy, uh, shakes things up, I think, that we'll get into their K-State hoops in action last night. Another big win for the Cats. We'll dig into that a little bit as we get ready for well, another big night of college basketball. It is that we got snow on the ground outside, and it just sort of feels now like it's college basketball season. Tommy, good morning. How are you? Man, I'm good. Uh, watching some of that college basketball last night, I'm with you. It feels like college basketball season. Um, you know, Iowa State and their fans, you know, really gave it to Houston last night. West Virginia, I know that the Wildcats won the game, but their fans are always into it. It's definitely that time of year we're in conference play, and the weather feels like it too, and I'm all in for it. Let's go. And then we get Kansas tonight on the road for their first road Big 12 action at UCF. The Big 12 yesterday was absolutely as insane as we expect it to be all year. Texas goes on the road and beats Cincinnati. Cincinnati had been white hot. Baylor takes care of business. It was close, though, against BYU. Tech uh, does what it needs to do. But it is going to be just unreal this year. Like, TCU hosts Oklahoma. I mean, are you kidding me? That's a fantastic game. It's awesome. I can't I, – I mean, I, I just can't wait for it. I really can't. It's going to be so good. Uh, Tommy, we're sitting here. Uh, in in our family, trying to figure out orthodontics for the first time. Uh, so good luck with that. Know. Yeah, it's uh, 
you know, I, you, you, it's like you either get a, a new car or you get braces. You know, it's really, uh, it's a really exciting time as, you know, <laughs> right before the air. My wife's like, well, do we have insurance for that? And I'm like, I don't know if we have insurance for that. Let me try to figure that out. And it's like, oh, you pay all this, but then you don't actually have it for that. And you got to add more to that to pay for that. And I'm like, well, we got to figure out, you know, like you got to do the math here. Like if we start paying for this, like, is it going to be worth it? And uh, it's just like. Man, it's just wonderful. Uh, I'm the only person in my family who actually got braces, so I can't say a lot. And it wasn't until I was 18 years old. So no, none of us have braces. Like, we've all got, you know, pretty – not messed up teeth. Like, our teeth are fine, but not, you know, TV teeth. And so, like, I was 18 years old and, you know, kind of a slacker at that point. And I was like, I don't know what I want to do. Maybe, And then I decided, like, I was like, I know what I want to do. I want to go, you know – be a sportscaster of some kind. Uh, and my mom's like, uh, not with that grill you're not. And so like, so that was basically the deciding factor. I'm glad she was honest factor. with you, right? I As know. I, to like, me too. Oh, honey, you'll do fine. And then like didn't yep. do anything to help you out. I'm glad she was brutally honest about that. Yeah, it's it's me too. Like now, it was I was like, "Mom, you you're going to send me to college in braces. Like that this is not going to go well uh, for me." So it was like I, my buddy's dad was an orthodontist, and I was like, let's have an honest conversation. I was like, how fast can you get this done? And he's like, well, pretty fast, but it's going to hurt. And I'm like, let's go. Like, let's get it done. And he did, and it was pretty substantial work. So now we've got our sweet daughter, and it's like, let's go to phase one and, and then phase two. And I'm like, and I hate being the jerk in the office. Like, my wife calls me, and I'm like, okay, so how much is that going to cost? Like, great. They're trying to explain to me what they're going to do. I'm like, yeah, fine. I don't care. How much is that going to cost? Uh, and then, so then how much is that going to cost? So it'll cost me how much now? And then how much are you planning on it costing later? Well, we don't know. I'm like, well, let's take a, take a stab, like take a shot in the dark. You do these every day. Like how much do you think, you know, and I hate being that guy, but like you turn into these old people where it's like, just like tunnel vision. Like you can stop talking and only tell me how much that's going to cost. And that needs to be the extent of my involvement in this conversation. If you want to talk somebody into like all the different things you need to do, talk to my wife. You'll be able to talk her into it. I need to know how much this is going to cost. And really that's probably all I need to know. The best thing about it too, for you is you've got two other kids after your oldest, uh, Yeah, you know, yep, so you get yep, to do yep. this once, but then you might get to do it a couple more times after that. I've thought about these things this morning, um, and and that's a part of the the evaluation process. And I I look, I love that we have the ability to do this. Like it's I I love that, but man, it's one of those real kick in the pants that you hear about from other parents. You're like, oh yeah, just wait till braces. And you know, like, maybe yeah, okay. maybe now's the time to have that conversation with your daughter that your mom had with you. Like, what do you want to do? Are you gonna need to use your teeth? Do you want to be on television? Yeah, are you gonna Are you gonna be a scientist? Or because you, then you can yeah, just you don't need to have perfect teeth if you're gonna be a no, scientist. No, no, everybody has to have perfect teeth in this country. It's one of those things that we get made fun of for, and that's fine. It great again, it makes us smile. I'm happy for it. It's just uh, a little salty this morning uh, as we as we go through these things. So uh, bear with me, everybody, and you know, to all our orthodontist friends listening, we appreciate the work that you do. But man, it's a it's a it's a bucket of cold water on the head i'll we'll just we'll just say that all right uh so kate let, let's start because this mike vrabel news i think is substantial but let's start with k-state last night it, it they play the game 
They go on the road. You know, I listened, honestly, to more of the game than I watched. Uh, driving around, we had our first, second, third grade girls basketball practice, of which I've taken over the coaching duties, which will be uh, probably plenty of stories for another day. Um, is it bad, but real quick, is it bad that I that I started practice off and I was like, girls, we get five fouls. I want you using at least three of them in every game. Like, that's how we started practice. Like, if they're not going to call it, we're gonna we're gonna be very aggressive, and if they do, uh, your coaches will let you know when you need to stop. But you get five. Let's use three. Wow. I, they they're scared to foul right now. Uh, and, and it's like no, no, that's you get them for a reason. Like let's let's try really hard and let's be aggressive. I, I mean, I'm trying to have like grown up basketball conversations with you know nine year old girls, and I'm like, girls, if they don't call it then you really get to be aggressive. Like, if they're not going to call it, we're going to foul even more. And so I don't know. Like, I don't know if this is the right strategy, uh, but we'll, we'll find out, I guess. Pretty soon you're going to have your, your team throwing haymakers out there on the court. <laughs> you're going to be Bobby Knight. You're going to be throwing chairs across the court. You're going to get teed up. I will not yell at a referee. I, I refuse to do that. These people are out there uh, taking their time, and I appreciate it so great. I would never do that, even if I was frustrated. Uh, but I do as a – I'm the dad who has to stand off by himself because, like, I, I want to, like, yell and in a good way, like a positive, like, yell yeah. at the girl, do this, do this. So I, I, I just go, like, to myself. So – I but I'm not yelling at the official. I'm just yelling for everybody to be aggressive and try hard, and it's, like, flashing back to, to my dad and brothers being at my games and the things that they're yelling at me. It's all the same. Like, it's all the same thing. It's fun. Uh, so we had that. So I listened to the game to and from practice. White Thompson on the call here, of course, on KFH, home of Wildcat Athletics. And the the vibe I got, number one, I did not realize uh, that Creesa played for West Virginia now. Didn't know that happened. So there you go, transfer portal. Didn't realize he was no longer at Arizona. I, I didn't even know he was still playing college basketball. So I really didn't know he was at West Virginia. So I'm listening to the game, and I got the theme that West Virginia is just keeping themselves in it by basically being hot from the three-point line in the first half. So as I'm listening to that, I'm like, they're not going to sustain that. This will be fine for K-State. K-State will be able to maintain, and K-State's going to end up fine here. We are beginning to see, you know, I I think K-State establish itself. Now, the way it established itself, I think, is still confusing to us. But from what I gathered in listening to that game, even though K-State trailed at half, it felt like K-State was controlling that game, to me, listening to it. And then, of course, in the second half, uh, they continue to do their thing. West Virginia doesn't shoot nearly as well, and you end up with a 14-point win. But going to West Virginia and winning is hard. We know it's hard, no matter what West Virginia's record is. And all of a sudden, K-State, who we had a lot of questions about, Tommy, is really settling in. I think this has been... In a different way, equally as impressive as what we saw to this point last year from the Cats, because I think what we do know is last year the Cats were more talented than they are this year. I mean, you got two NBA guys. Proof's in the pudding, right? This year they're not that, yet they're still doing this. Like, I've been really impressed with this coaching staff, I think, this year. They're finding ways to win, but now we're starting to see them also play well and, and you know, do their thing a little bit, and they're kind of— you know, you got a, what is it, a 25-point win and a 14-point win on the road in the Big 12 to open things up? Watch the Big 12. That eye, That's a little eye-opening. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing you have to keep in mind with the Wildcats is that, it, you know, it's still far from perfect, and, and it's never going to get to the point to where you feel like this is an extremely well-oiled machine. In a lot of cases and in games that even they played in the non-con, they're winning despite their deficiencies. Last night, one of their major deficiencies was Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry is still not shooting the ball well at all. One of eight from the field for six points total. You know, he got to the line a couple of times, but, you know, he really has been a non-factor. He was a non-factor in the game last night. He hasn't shot the ball well, you know, at all in the last, I don't know, four to five weeks. It's been a while since we've seen Tyler Perry actually shooting the ball well. But they are making up for it in other ways. Cam Carter with 23 points, perfect from the line. He shot it well from the field, didn't shoot it well from three, but that's where Arthur Kaluma came in. He was four of six shooting the three last night. So, you know, they're finding other players to pick up the slack a little bit. When one guy is not getting it done in one area, they're leaning on somebody else. You know, and that's really where it's working for the Wildcats. They were fairly balanced in their starting five outside of Tyler Perry. But I think one major concern is that they don't have a lot of bench production. I mean, only six points coming yeah, off like the none. bench last night. You know, they, they just don't have really a lot of people that you can rely on and lean on coming off the bench. And, you know, it's one thing when you're playing UCF in West Virginia. It's going to be another thing entirely when you're playing the top tier of the Big 12. I'm not saying they can't compete in those games. I think they can, but they've got to get more production from guys outside of their starting five. Yeah, it's it, it, I, maybe, maybe. They were thin last year, too. I, I don't know how deep they've got to be, but you can't afford injury is the problem there. I mean, we've seen really good teams run six-man rotations. KU's done it historically. K-State kind of did it last year. They really didn't have a ton of depth last year either. I think you can do it, but... You know, for the development of some of these young players, that's why I want to see it. But they're not getting minutes, Tommy. Like the outside, so Finister had 22 minutes as your sixth man, basically, and played you know pretty close to starter minutes. Outside of that, the rest of their team had like 19 or 20 combined or something like that. Like it's not much, and Ames isn't giving them much right now. So I, I think I don't know how concerned I am by it. I, what I wonder is, if you had to plug one of the bench guys into the starting lineup, could they be as productive as the five we're seeing now? I don't know the answer to that. Maybe they could. If they can't, then yes, it's a big problem. But if it's just that whatever they're doing gives the starters these opportunities, I, I don't know the answer to that. And hopefully we don't have to find out because it would mean an injury. Are you with me that Tyler Perry feels like year two of Tyson Etienne at Wichita State? Like, I don't know... I can't figure out what's happening, and it's it feels to me so much like it did that year. Like, it doesn't make sense that that good of a shooter just doesn't hit any shots anymore. And so that's, that's what I feel like with Tyler Perry, right? And he's shooting through it, and he's going to have to keep doing it, I think. Uh, you know, but one for eight's about all you can stomach, I think, if you're the Wildcats. Like, you can't you, – you can shoot through it to some degree, but you can't let it cripple you. And we saw – at Wichita State, when Tyson Etienne struggled in that second year, it really crippled that team. K-State right now isn't letting this cripple them. What they expected, which was Tyler Perry to be a shot maker, that hasn't crippled them yet. And so, like, on one hand, I'm like, yeah, shoot through it. But on the other, I'm like, or 
just keep doing what you're doing and winning games and and don't, right? Like, I, I don't know. That's going to be an interesting balance to see how much leash they continue to give Perry to shoot through it before they say, you know what? We're done with that. Like, let's refocus and do something else now. There are a couple of differences. One major difference is that this is Tyler Perry's first season with the program, and he shot the ball really well at North Texas. That's what he was known for. Yeah. But you're going from a program at North Texas with a coach in Grant McCasland that, you know, is now at Texas Tech and all of that. But it's it's less it's it's not as high profile as where he's at right now in Manhattan. Not that Kansas State is under the bright lights all the time, but you do have more pressure on you in a Big 12 program playing against the, the programs in that conference as opposed to being at North Texas. So there was probably a little bit more freedom for Tyler Perry to shoot through it at North Texas, there was probably a little bit more, uh, you know, a, re- a relaxed nature uh, as opposed to where he's at right now in Manhattan. I think another difference is that, and, and I don't exactly remember. I mean, I, I have, I do have some memories of that second year with Tyson Etienne, but it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that when the, when Tyson Etienne was going through that, he was the focal point of the offense for the Shockers at that point. Right, like he was the one hundred percent. That's not like that's no not question the way. about it. That's not the way that it is for Tyler Perry. There are other weapons, but that's what they that, thought it was. That's going what they to thought be. it was going to be. But you know, right. remember Wichita State didn't have anybody else to fall back on who could make up for it. Where Tyler Perry, you've got Arthur Kaluma, you've got Cam Carter. Uh, you know, even to an extent, you've got David Gasson and Will McNair. There are other players that can help pick up that slack. Where with Tyson Etienne, there was more and more pressure that was dumped on his shoulders because there was nobody else who could pick up for it. You know, there was nobody else yeah. who could make up for it. It was Tyson Etienne or bust that year. So there are some differences there, but I do agree with you. The similarities are that the expectation versus what you're getting in the production, they're not lining up. Yeah, it, it's it's very um, – it, it's just I, – I don't know. The, the problem when it was Etienne is they didn't ever adjust, right? They, there was never – They didn't have the personnel to be able to do anything else with. Well, they didn't want – they didn't try. Like that, I think yeah. – and that was an issue that, that a lot of fans had, right, is the, is the leash was too long there, and they never – they just never would um, – veer from that plan and what it was. So now, and that's, I guess my point in this is we're seeing K-State not do that, right? We're seeing them in this situation just deal with it. And so I, I, I think in that regard, this is, this is what it, it's, it's working. It's, it's, well, it's trying to work. So, can that continue, right? Can they continue? And I think that they can. Or do they need to keep letting Perry go like this? And how much better can they be if they stop letting him shoot and miss this often? And that, and and I I would suspect that they'll keep letting him shoot because they know how much higher their ceiling goes if he's a great shooter. And and like Tyson Etienne to his, like his his confidence never waned and I give him credit for that and this is not a knock on Tyson Etienne at all I thought his attitude and his confidence through that remained strong it was a hard thing for fans to swallow though cuz they just kept seeing him shoot and miss but the reality was like the ceiling's much higher if he is doing that so it was a tough balance K-State faces some of that same challenge now like we're, but except they're winning right except they're except they're doing that they, but 
it does beg the question, like, how much better could this team be if he starts to shoot well versus at what point do you say, okay, that's enough. Let's do something else now and see if we can get. So I don't know what the answer to that is. You mentioned that they're thin. I, I agree that they're thin. And and I don't and have, you, you know, you talked about the six-man rotation that you've seen other teams implement, and I agree with you. There are teams that have had a ton of success with really, really tight rotations. My issue with it is that you don't have depth when Tyler Perry is not shooting the ball well. So you really have nowhere else to go. If, if he's able to right work now, his way but right not... now, if he's able to work his way through it, I've got a lot less of an issue with the limited minutes and the limited production from the bench. But if he can't work his way through it, and this is what we're going to get throughout conference play, you'd love to have a little bit of a, uh, you know, maybe another option to go to. And maybe well, but him... don't you? But don't you get another option if you give somebody else the opportunity you do, to take those but shots? But I'm saying like there might be some times where Tyler Perry just he might need to sit for a while. But you don't have the luxury to bring anybody really else in that you feel confident in because the bench just isn't there. So I think that there are concerns with that. I've got no issue with a tight rotation if Tyler Perry can work his way through this funk. Yeah, I guess I don't either because they're winning games. But let's see what happens when they play a tough team. Or let's just see Tyler Perry hit these shots. It's not just a t- I mean, we're seeing this with Nick Timberlake at KU, right? We see- One thing that I think is sort of a theme is a lot of the transfer players, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's environment, what it is, the shot makers that are doing this, I mean, I'll- and then we see Kreisa, he-, he was making shots last night. So maybe it's just time. I hope it's just time. Because I'm going to tell you, if Tyler Perry becomes the kind of scorer he was at North Texas and you add that into what we're seeing, I kind of like K-State to maybe be better than that middle-of-the-pack ceiling. Maybe they're top-end type good. Maybe they're top-five type good. Long way to go, and they've certainly had an advantageous schedule to open conference play. So don't want to you know, make too much of two games they should win going and getting them. We'll get into KU's game tonight in just a little bit. Uh, more on the NFL coaching search when we come back. Mike Vrabel is now a candidate for a job. He'll find one, I would imagine, very quickly. We'll dig into that curious situation in Tennessee. Uh, we'll give away some HTO coffee as we make our way through. And we'll, of course, continue to talk Chiefs football as they get ready for their playoff opener. By the way, can't get enough Chiefs coverage? You can check out the New Heights podcast with Jason and Travis Kelsey. It's free on the Odyssey app. Follow it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Tommy and I will be back. What in the world is Tennessee thinking? That's next on Sports Daily. Welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily here on KFH. Glad to be with you on this Wednesday edition. Uh, All right. So we had a really, really strange situation, at least to me in Tennessee, with Mike Vrabel. So Mike Vrabel, like, as I'm, like, evaluating coaches in the NFL, and we've talked about this before. That's why this caught me so off guard. And, And maybe it shouldn't have as I read between the lines now and what's been going on there for a few years, but I would consider Vrabel a top five coach in the league probably at this point based on what he's done with the quarterbacks he's had to work with. He's not a player personnel guy. So 
remember that Tennessee is like shocking the world by being the one seed and doing all they're doing and, you know, Ryan Tannehill at quarterback and all these things. And then all of a sudden, one off season, they decide to trade A.J. Brown in one of the real head scratching moves that I can ever remember a young wide receiver like coming into their prime. And then they don't really do much for the roster. They they have two bad years. Just so happens to come when they traded one of their best players and one of the best players in the NFL, of which Vrabel was not happy. He was hot when that happened. And so now that, you know, he had nothing to do with that decision and they fire him. And, you know, their owner, she was a little bit spicy. Like, clearly there's this disconnect between Vrabel and the organization. But, like, Vrabel didn't have a whole lot to do with. And I would just ask you this. Even with the record, would you say that Tennessee overachieved or underachieved the last two years? Because I would still say they overachieved. They like, over, Tennessee yeah. was—they were always dangerous when they should have been terrible. Even, you know, even as they lose games. But— now I'm sitting here looking at this coaching carousel, and I'm like, hang on a minute. Mike Vrabel's on the market? Like, he should be everybody's top. I would take Vrabel over Harbaugh. You would take Vrabel over Harbaugh? I would. I mean, I would probably take Harbaugh over Vrabel, but I think Vrabel is, is up there. I mean, I think he's, man, depending on what happens with Bill Belichick and if he still wants to coach, I mean, you've got Vrabel, you've got Belichick, you've got Harbaugh. Like, those are the, the key guys. I would take Vrabel right now. I, I like Mike Vrabel a lot, and I agree with you. They have overachieved the last couple of seasons. You know how, I think we had talked about it yesterday, about, and, and I think it was in reference to Harbaugh, that if there are teams that are on the fence about whether or not they want to make a move with their coach, as soon as Harbaugh says he's available, then at that point that might push some teams over the edge to make a change. I think the exact same thing happens now with Mike Vrabel, there are probably a handful of teams out there that are on the fence about whether or not they want to make a change, and they weren't sure. And now that Vrabel is available, they might go ahead and make that change to try to get Vrabel in their organization. And then the reports yesterday that Mike Tomlin might be stepping away at the end. That that so for me, and Vrabel's always reminded me of Tomlin, and that's why I would I would take Vrabel if Tomlin became available. I would take Tom. But those two guys have this unique ability to connect with their players. And that's, that's, you cannot, that is the hardest thing to find. And I don't think Vrabel, like if you pair him with like a brilliant young offensive coach at coordinator, he's not going to like contend with that. But he, you know, like I, I don't mind defensive coaches, by the way. Like I'm not in the camp of, well, you have to hire a young offensive mind. Like I think that's a fine path and it depends largely on your roster. But I'm totally fine with guys like Vrabel and Tomlin, who clearly connect with players, who are ex-players at a high level, especially with Vrabel's scenario. Now you may have the New England job come open, and it may be as simple as that, right? Like, it may be simply this match made in heaven yeah. of, you know, the Patriots moving on and just bringing Vrabel in there. That that makes all the sense in the world as everybody's drawing those conclusions. I totally get that. Um, I just can't believe it. And And, like, if I'm one of these other teams now, I just, like, you know, I've seen the Raiders mentioned because Tom Brady has some connections there. Okay, that that might make some sense. Uh, the Chargers, if you're Vrabel, might make some sense because you've dealt with quarterback chaos basically your entire time as a head coach and you've won despite it. What if you just go walk into, you know, uh, Herbert? If you're the Bears and you're trying to decide what you do, does Vrabel become an option there? 
Like there, there are because you're you know you you're gonna you're gonna take your swing at whatever it is. You know you've got an ascending defense and a, and a decently talented. Like there are some really interesting things happening right now, and Vrabel to me makes it the most interesting because I think. He again. I, I'd put him ahead. The only reason I'd put him ahead of Harbaugh because Harbaugh's track record's incredible. Is that Harbaugh seems a little wishy washy on what to, what he wants to do, right? Like, are you really all in on being an NFL coach again, or is Michigan going to struggle for four years and then talked back into coming back to? Like, are we all in on this or not? Vrabel's all in, obviously. So that that's the that's that's probably the only reason I would say, you know, Vrabel over Harbaugh. Plus, Vrabel just like. I, I, I don't know. That hard-nosed football coach is making a comeback to some degree. Like, look at Dan Campbell. It's not like you don't have to be a jerk, but you do. Like, I, I and I think we see this, like, of the generation of these young people. Everyone thinks, like, oh, they're so soft. And I'm like, I don't think they're soft. I think they need to be motivated in a different way. But I think they're starved to be motivated in that way. And I think great coaches like Vrabel do that. Clearly, Harbaugh does, too, or he wouldn't have the success in college that he has. But guys like Mike Tomlin have been able to do that. Andy Reid has been able to do that. And everyone thinks – nobody thinks of Andy Reid as a hard-nosed coach. Andy Reid is hard on those guys. Listen to Patrick Mahomes yesterday talk about why the Chiefs – have found success over the years in cold weather, it's because Andy Reid makes them practice in the cold. And if they go indoors, he makes it cold in there. He opens it up. Like, and, and Mahomes said yesterday, like, practice in this weather is much harder than the games are. Ma, you know, Reid is a hard-nosed coach, but players still love him. And so, like, there is a fine line here between being a jerk that nobody likes, Josh McDaniels, maybe Eric Bieniemy, who knows on that, uh, whatever, and being demanding and and not being afraid, you know, as my dad would say, to tell a cow how, you know, how a cow ate the cabbage. Like, I think there's a difference. And Vrabel just has that, right? He That's the, I, to me, that's his greatest attribute as a coach. And I'm sure he's a great, you know, strategic coach too. I'm not smart enough to know that stuff. But I just know players respond to him well. So let me tell you why on the surface, it does make sense that Vrabel would go to New England but why I'm not sure that that's actually going to happen. And a lot of that is because of what you just said about how he's a hard-nosed coach and about how he believes the power structure should be in an NFL organization. And the reason why I think he believes it is because look at the guys that he's played for, coached under, all of that. Bill Belichick, Urban Meyer, you know, there's a couple of others. Those guys, they have always believed that the head coach is the central power figure for an NFL organization. Vrabel came up from that, and I would imagine that that's the way that Vrabel has wanted to run the organization in Tennessee. There's a new general manager there, and I would imagine that those guys butted heads a lot because Vrabel thought that he should be the main guy. Right or wrong, that's just what he thought. And the reason why, let me, let me tell you why I don't think it's going to happen in New England if Belichick leaves. The reporting has been that Robert Kraft wants his team back. And so I'm not sure that even though Vrabel has a connection to the franchise, a connection with Belichick, all of that, and it would make sense for him to take over for Belichick, with the thought that Kraft maybe wants his team back, he might want to go a different direction and not bring in a coach that wants to be the central figure in that front office. I just, I don't think Vrabel is trying to be an executive and a coach. I think he's just trying to be a coach, but that wants input. Like 
I, I I laugh because I'm just picturing how many times Vrabel probably brings up the AJ Brown trade to the person who made it, despite every effort from like I I think there's a difference in being the executive that has to make personnel decisions and and going against your head coach so obviously in what he wants to do, like. At some point, you do have to value what the coach has to say. The, in Kansas City, has one of the best working relationships we see in the NFL between Reed and Veach and Clark Hunt. And look, having Patrick Mahomes helps that situation. But they do seem in lockstep most of the time. You do have to have that. And that's why Vrabel's not in Tennessee anymore, by the way, because he clearly was not in lockstep. But I don't think he's sitting here saying, I need final say in everything. I don't think he wants that. I don't think he's equipped for that. Maybe he does. I could be totally wrong. I've never talked to the guy. Either. I mean, I don't know. I don't think he does either. But, I mean, again, look at the guys that he has been affiliated with over the course of his career. Those were coaches that they commanded the room. They were, even if they weren't the ones making the decisions, they were always either given input or they were involved. I mean, in the case of Belichick, I mean, he has basically been the de facto general manager for 20-some years in New England. All the player personnel decisions ran through him. And so, I mean, clearly, this was an issue where the ownership of the Titans hired a new general manager, and then the general manager won the power struggle. That's basically all it is. I think it's a bad move for Tennessee. I think they're going to be regretting this move maybe as soon as this next season. I don't know who right now would you know necessarily want to go in and coach that team. They'll find somebody, but I think they've set themselves up for you know, some years of, of tough times ahead for them. I think that Vrabel is going to want to be in a situation where he's not going to have to battle another front office executive, where even if he's not the one that's making the decisions, he is valued enough to where his input is valued. He's brought in to these decisions and he doesn't have to battle for power. And I'm not sure that's going to be the case in New England if Bill Belichick leaves. Because Robert Kraft is going to hire a general manager. He's not going to give it to the coach. And I don't know if that's going to be – there's probably going to be a power struggle there between the general manager and whoever the coach is. Yeah, the the issue for me with the Patriots is what you brought. They're just not very good. So if Rabel becomes a top candidate, like I think he will – it's strictly like nostalgia that you go to New England because of all the openings we have right now – the the roster of the Patriots is probably the worst of them. Like I, that would be if I had to pick one, that would be the last place I would pick because they don't have they're just not that good. And I don't and in that division with Buffalo there established, Miami ascending, and the Jets potentially getting Aaron Rodgers back. Like I, I'm not New England is a death sentence to me for a coach. Whoever their next coach is will not be their coach in five years. If I had to make a guess right now, that would be the last place I would go. So it would have to be like nostalgia that brings Vrabel back there. I, I mean, I don't know because it would have to be a promise at, from Robert Kraft that he will that Vrabel will be the guy to be able to you know make a lot right. of these decisions. I'm not sure. Well, but Robert even if Kraft you make the right that. ones, you're not going to be good enough. It's almost got to be more of a promise of like we're going to give you like we know when we understand we don't want to be bad. But we're not also going to bring you in here to be bad for two years and then move on because the roster's not any good, which happens all the time in the NFL. Yeah, but right? I don't know so, if it's going to take that long. I mean, I think it might take a year or two to rebuild mm, it. I don't think it's— Boy, look, I do. Look at the Texans, for example. They completely rebuilt that organization. But they had all that draft capital I get to work it. with. But, I mean, they turned it on a dime, and all of a sudden they're in the playoffs. And nobody thought they would be there. I mean, it, this is—I don't think this has to be 
a four or five year rebuild. I'm thinking more like a year or two. And if anybody can get them turned around from a coaching pedigree standpoint, Mike Vrabel can do that. I just think it's going to take some concessions from Robert Kraft to get Vrabel to feel comfortable going there. So I, I think there's a the Texans play in a terrible division and nailed their quarterback. Nailing the quarterback is hard enough, and the Patriots could do that, but they still play in a division with Buffalo, Miami, and the Jets. Like I think their road is long. I think it's I think it's gonna take a minute for the and, and it's hard for us to say because it just hasn't happened over the last two and a half decades. But I don't I don't see like their light when you look at the other jobs in the league, Chargers, light at the end of the tunnel, certainly. Commanders, talented ish, except they traded it a lot away, but for the most part, outside of quarterback, okay. Raiders I think better than the Patriots, but not ideal and Steelers are fine. So I, I you know, of the openings we and Panthers, no. Like the Falcons, Panthers the Atlanta only, has a lot of talent. That that should I, be a pretty attractive job. Yeah, I think Atlanta or, or the Chargers right now is the most attractive job to me. Like, those are the two jobs I'd want the most, I think. Uh, maybe the Falcons take the advantage because they do have ownership that really is committed to winning. Really committed to winning. So, I will. Say, it is going to be fascinating. And now there are probably going to be more openings, like you said, because Vrabel's on the market. We'll see. Uh, and if Harbaugh comes up, it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun one this coaching carousel, because there are really good coaches that are going to be looking for jobs. 869-1240 on that IHOP hotline if you want to chime in. Uh, we'll come back. We'll begin to – let's talk – let's preview the KU game tonight just a little bit. We'll get into the Chiefs and more on what they had to say yesterday uh, as we move forward. A lot of injury news to get through as well as we make our way through this midweek edition of Sports Daily. All right, welcome back, everybody, here to Sports Daily. Uh, if you miss anything on the show, you can listen for free, by the way. Podcast version on the Odyssey app. Make sure you check that out. All right, uh, Tommy, it's college basketball tonight again. It's KU this time around for us. They get their first road test. Uh, it's a game that they should win. UCF did not get off to a good start. K-State beat them badly in the opener. They get to come back home. KU gets to go there. I kind of like KU in this spot. What is the line? Seven and a half, I think it is. I kind of I like that for KU tonight. I mean, they they ought to be able to go to Florida and beat UCF by seven and a half points, don't you think? Well, I mean, you know, UCF lost by, what, 25 to Kansas State? That's uh, what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think that that is well within reach. It's the same thing for the Jayhawks that it always has been. They've got to make their shots. You know, they've got to get out to a good start shooting the basketball. And that's one thing they haven't really been able to do a whole lot of this season. Um, and so they struggled with that against TCU for a while in the game last weekend. You know, although ultimately came back and won the game, but it wasn't a particularly great shooting, uh, outside shooting game for the Jayhawks. They leaned a ton on Hunter Dickinson. That's going to be the narrative. That's the way that it's going to be for the Jayhawks, leaning on Dickinson, leaning on McCuller. Um, but I think that against a team like UCF, you've got to have more assertiveness from Dewan Harris to shoot the basketball. Uh, he finally did it in the second half against TCU, but I, I feel like a broken record saying that. We say it all We've the time. We've been saying that for three years. It yeah. just hasn't happened to this point. I don't think they'll have a ton of issues with UCF, but man, like that, just generally speaking with the Jayhawks, that's really got to be the way that they look at things. So UCF piled up a lot of wins in the non-con. They have losses to Stetson, 
Uh, Ole Miss, that was a close game. K-State, we mentioned in Miami early in the year. They don't really have a good win of those wins they piled up. FIU, Cal State Fullerton, South Dakota State in a very close game, Charlotte in an overtime game, Lipscomb, Jacksonville, Maine, Florida A&M, and Bethune-Cookman. They scheduled soft, Tommy. I I think this is a pretty big spot for KU to flex. We saw what happened against K-State. That's fine. But I'm pretty surprised by this line based on the fact that if you look at the body of work, UCF, yeah, they've got wins, but boy, they have played nobody in the teams that they have played. They've lost to. I, I like KU here tonight. I think KU could sort of establish themselves a little bit. You know, the TCU game was tight. I, I TCU is going to be one of the top teams in this league. UCF is not. UCF will finish near the bottom of the Big 12, if, uh, if not at the bottom of the Big 12 this year. I think this is a place where KU, even though it's on the road, even though it's a conference game, all of those things, if they're going to be that kind of team this year, this is the kind of game you need to go just let everybody know that you're that kind of team. Yeah, I think that with UCF, their biggest issue when they played the Wildcats over the weekend was their lack of outside shooting. Uh, UCF was 5 of 21 shooting from 3 against the Wildcats on Saturday. You would expect, I think, back home that they'll do a little bit better than that. I mean, that yeah. was real, that's really bad, right, with the way they shot in Manhattan. So you would think going back home, they might be better than 5 of 21 tonight. Um, but I mean, I just don't think they have the firepower to keep up with the Jayhawks. I'm with you. I like that seven and a half number, but again, it's going to come down to how much do the Jayhawks have to lean on Dickinson? I, I think you're right in the beginning, like Dewan Harris, like if this is not going to be a great shooting team, be a bigger part of the offense, Yeah, right? Be a, not just a creator, but you know, finish some of those drives. And by the way, against TCU, KJ Adams was spectacular. And so Love continuing him, you know, having him follow that up with another great game against UCF, you know, I think everybody they focus on Dickinson for good reason. And that just allows KJ Adams to feast. And that's going to be another recipe for success for Kansas. Yeah. They're they're those two are their focal points. We we thought that, even though Kevin McCullough is the best player on the floor, probably. Those two, I think, open things up for the entire offense. McCullough is almost like a crutch. Like a safety net. Like, oh, we can't get anything going. McCuller, go create something for us, please. But, I, you know, I, I agree with you. I agree with you on Adams. Love Adams as a player. Uh, we'll see. That game tips tonight at, uh, I think it's a 6 o'clock tip, isn't it? It is a, uh, it is a uh, yeah, yeah, 6 o'clock tip. All right, ESPN Plus, by the way. Okay, we'll come back. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to take you through some of the audio yesterday from the Chiefs presser. A couple of interesting storylines there. Uh, so we'll get into that in the second hour. We'll give away some HTO. Keep your finger on the IHOP hotline. We'll come back. Hour number two of Sports Daily next. Jacob Albrot, Tommy Kester. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH.
All right, welcome back in, everybody, to Sports Daily. Jacob Albrecht here. Tommy will be back with us in just a bit. Jad Chambers producing. If you missed anything from our first hour, you can always go back and listen for free on the Odyssey app. Just search KFH. You'll find our show uh, sliced up, podcasted out there. It's a really cool feature. Uh, We know people listen to us that way. If you're listening to us that way right now, we really appreciate it. Of course, appreciate you if you're listening to us the good old-fashioned way right here on KFH. We're streaming at KFH Radio. Dot com as well, or maybe you're watching our video stream, which you'll find on Facebook, on YouTube, or on Twitch. Glad to be here with you, everybody, here today. Uh, on the day after a big K-State basketball win, now 2-0 and in Big 12 play, which I don't care who you're playing, 2-0 and in Big 12 play, the way we think that league will shake out this year, sounds pretty darn good. So uh, we've got that you can go back and listen to or call in to the KFH hotline to get uh, at 869-1240. Let's talk about the Chiefs-Dolphins a little bit as we make our way through. Uh, sounds like Donovan Smith might play for the Chiefs. Sounds like he will play. So that'll be an added bonus. We learned that from Andy Reid yesterday. There was a lot talked about in the media availability. So with the Chiefs playing on a Saturday, uh, the, all that availability is shifted from what it would normally be. Everything's kind of crammed in together. Uh, so a couple of storylines that we'll bring you here. And we'll do this, we'll get to some sound from Kansas City, we'll get to some sound from Miami. The first one we talked about yesterday quite a bit, uh, and it's the cold weather in this game, which will, when it's Miami, it's a headline. Because Miami, history shows us struggles in cold weather in the postseason. We mentioned this yesterday. They are equipped this year, probably more than others, to be better in that situation because they run the ball well. Now, they've also got just gobs of injuries that they're dealing with, and most of them come on the defensive side. I suspect we'll see both teams really try to run the ball in this game. Uh, So betters, keep that in mind. Let's go to some of the audio here. Kansas City, of course, is very used to playing in this weather. It's going to be essentially sub-zero wind chills. Uh, They do this a lot in the postseason. Patrick Mahomes talked about what it's like playing in that weather uh, and, and just, you know, kind of got into a little bit of that. Here's Mahomes yesterday talking about the weather this weekend. Ready for the playoffs and sub-zero temperatures? Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, what, what could be better, man? Playing playoff football January at Arrowhead Stadium. Um, it's going to be cold. kind of is what it is. I'd rather be playing a football game than chasing my kids around the backyard. So I'll have a little bit of the adrenaline rush, and uh, I'm excited for it. Uh, what could be better? Playing playoff football in a dome, I would imagine, would be better. But Mahomes went on to talk about just why it is. And and look, the question, I hate this question too, by the way. As a Texas native, they said, how have you adjusted to playing in the cold? Well, let me tell you, as somebody who's from Texas, it's just as cold in certain parts of Texas. He played his college football in Lubbock where it's cold uh, this time of year. Not that he was playing football, but, but look, I, I think the simple – point of cold weather is you just you're either used to it or you're not and I don't mean like if you if you lived in cold weather when you were 12 you're not all of a sudden just used to cold weather when you're 30 right but he lives in it right now and I think even more than that this entire team they play in it like if I'm Miami I would think about practicing all week in the Kansas City area like just come up early and get as acclimated as you can get as quickly as you can get there. Mahomes talked about what makes them good in the cold weather, and it's simply like that Andy Reid makes them practice in the cold weather. 
Like when it's getting that cold, it's not going to catch them off guard. You know how when you're when we first get to this time of year, and it usually happens like sometime in October, where you're used to it being really hot and it gets down to like, I don't know, 45 degrees one time, and you feel like you're sitting in the middle of Antarctica, right? Well, it's all about acclimating. And right now, I don't know what the weather is in Miami, but it's pretty nice, right? And so when you get off that plane, I don't care what it is. You're not used to it yet. So it's jarring. You know, I don't know how long it takes to get used to it. But if I'm Miami, I'd certainly try, and I wouldn't come up a day before. I think that's why Miami has struggled. When you have to go into cold weather this time of year when you're not in it currently, it makes it harder to operate. And so... That, I, that's why I think weather's a factor. Injuries are more of a factor in this game, but weather's a factor. It, it just is. Like, it, it will be advantage Chiefs in that column of checkboxes that they're used to playing in these temperatures, that they will have practiced all week in this mess of weather we're dealing with right now. How could it not be an advantage when you're getting off the plane from sunny Florida? Versus what we've seen here. Now, they've had storms and some things down there. I don't know how cold it is, but it's not going to be like what we're dealing with here. And so that is a factor. Um, You know, the the defense for the Chiefs is a factor. And the defense for the Chiefs is why I think they could still win a Super Bowl. And a big reason for that defense being that good is big number 95 in the middle. It's going to be an interesting offseason. I would imagine that this is Chris Jones' last season in Kansas City. Chris Jones is still one of the best players in this league. He's highly effective, but the economics of football I don't think are going to allow a long-term relationship between the Chiefs and Chris Jones. And he's not shying away from that. He never has. He was asked yesterday on this potentially being his last game at Arrowhead Stadium. Let's go to that audio from Chris Jones. Chris, uh, yeah, that's one fun moment where you get your incentive last game. Um, as you enter this playoffs with a little bit of uncertainty, do you do any reflection on your own tenure with the Chiefs, or is it just you know, full steam ahead on you know, we have a goal I think it's more so as the goal. Um, you usually reflect after, right? It's like after it's all done, you kind of reflect on what's the next chapter for you, um, for the team. You know, I try not to think about it. Could be my last uh, last game in Arrowhead. Who knows? You know, but most importantly, we got a game to play. I'm trying to make a deep run in this playoffs, and if it is my last time, then we got to make it worthwhile. I mean, that's that's pretty much it, right? Like, I I just I I think that it's it's not a foregone conclusion. You never know, but after the last off season, it's pretty unlikely that Chris Jones is back. And I do think that can be motivating. I think clearly he's still his teammates still love him when you saw him hit his bonus on the sack in the regular season finale. And Chris Jones could be a game wrecker. He could be the kind of game wrecker that leads the Chiefs to a Super Bowl. Pass rushers always are. His pass rush is even more valuable because it comes up the middle. If if the Chiefs are able to utilize a defensive line that gets pressure on the quarterback they're going to have a chance to win a Super Bowl. We've seen far worse teams make it through based on a great pass rush than the Chiefs are offensively. We've seen worse offenses, I should say. It, it, when you th- like, As we just think about 
Chris Jones and the best of him. And we think about how good the defense has been at times this year. And you think about Isaiah Pacheco. Don't you think the Chiefs have a chance here at this Super Bowl? I, I still do. Now, is it as good a chance? No, probably not. But it's just a different chance, right? It's a different look. And that's what like that's what's made this so hard for me over the last two months to I, I, I've refused to put the fork in the Chiefs forever. And and I took some heat for that for I don't know, two, three weeks, maybe even longer. But I can't do it because I do see a formula so clearly that could work. It's not the same formula that's worked for them, but neither was last year. Last year was a different formula, too. That offense didn't look anything like the offense that won the first Super Bowl. And they still found a way to get it done. So who's to say they can't do it in a different style this year? Their style, whether they go on the road in Buffalo, whether they go on the road in Baltimore— will still be the style that can win in those type of cold-weather environments in January. I, I just, we'll see. They've got to respond here. This is a big spot for them. They have a chance to really dominate this game based on the injuries Miami's dealing with. And I know that's easier said than done. And the line is still tight. Miami's got a big opportunity too, though. And they have not played well lately. They're dealing with a ton of injuries, but they do get to hit reset here. Mike McDaniel yesterday, courtesy of the Dolphins, on his message to his team. A couple of good players have already mentioned we're in the tournament. We've got our shot. We're where we need it to be. Is that sort of what you were just touching on when you said now that your message to them, hey, despite the loss yesterday, we still have an opportunity? Well, no, yeah, and it's, and it's more like the – Here's the thing about uh, the NFL playoffs is um, as much as as much weight as all the things that happen during the season carry. Um, there, there's narratives galore that grow out of results. Um, in the playoffs, it doesn't matter. It's a reset. It's a um, there's no uh, winners and losers bracket. You know, you're playing football, and the winner gets to continue to play, and the loser does not. So. Um, you know, I think that you have to, you, you have to be bold to, um, you know, to set goals that are, uh, you know, that you go into kn- knowing that, um, you know, they, it, it's not what has been done. You have to be willing to, um, be vulnerable enough to fully commit yourself to something that you aspire to, to aspire to achieve and, um, that's that's a goal. That's not the um, only goal. And the the bottom line is, you, how how do you? It's it's so much like life. Um, how do you take whatever um, hand that you have, and uh, um, it, you know, however it's dealt, um, you, you try to make the most of it. So, you know, we have a we the team will be fired up to um, go. Uh, embrace the challenge and there's many layers to what what that why it's a challenge um for us in-house we're uh you know we all believe in each other and we want to go um you know get a get in a losing taste out of your mouth and that's the only objective so all that other stuff um if if you uh it, it it's not to say it's easy but um nothing really worthwhile is so you you have to um, transition. We don't have any time to waste, and we have to put our best foot forward 
um, you know, at being one of the 14 teams that um, get to continue to play, and we, we'll take pride in that and, um, you know, do everything we can uh, so that we can be proud of uh, what we put on the field. So, I, I, look, I, I don't know what – I, I just don't have much confidence in Miami. I think they're trending the wrong direction. I think a lot of it has to do with injury. But I, I've doubted them pretty publicly all year because they didn't – until they beat Dallas on that final drive, they really – like, you just look at the schedule. They did not beat anybody good. And in some of the games against good teams, they didn't look good at all. They got Buffalo game just to end the year. Josh Allen had three – back-breaking, critical turnovers that would almost always lose even great teams a game. And Buffalo still had to come back and got the win. I think Miami is a shell of what it was at its peak this season. I think the Chiefs have a real opportunity uh, to win by, like, double digits here. Now, again, like, take that for what it's worth. I know that the Chiefs have not done what they've needed to do all year either. But I don't think we're dealing with the same sort of thing with what Miami's struggling with. Miami's struggling in large part because they haven't had all their best players. And they're signing guys off the street right now to come play defense for them. And it's in areas that will be directly up against what I feel like is the Chiefs' strength, which is to run the ball, to set everything else up. That's where Miami's hurting right now defensively. If the Chiefs execute the way that they'll plan this game, I mean, even Andy Reid, like, and we've seen it, so it's not even, like, they've been running the ball with whoever the featured back is pretty close to 20 times a game. That That's kind of your baseline there. The, only, the thing that throws that off, though, is if they make mistakes offensively, if they turn the ball over, if they have penalties, that allows Miami to get any kind of lead. And I don't think you want that, but it just sets itself up with everything for the Chiefs to be really good this weekend. They've had the bye week, and they have an opportunity here to go win big. I love their bet. Um, I think I like the under, just because I think both teams will try to run the ball. The Chiefs will have to stop the run. I mean, that's the thing. We talk about pass rushers. If Miami, Miami will almost certainly try to establish the run here. I know they have Tyreek Hill. I assume they'll get Waddle back, even if he's hobbled. But... Make no mistake, I think Miami's going to really want to run the ball in this game. We talked about this yesterday. It's those explosive runs that scare you a little bit if you're the Chiefs. You can't let their track stars break off four-yard runs into 60-yard runs. And I think in that scenario, if the Chiefs can do that, they'll win the game. I don't want to go cliche and say if they win the turnover battle. But, I mean, that's more important than it ever has been for this team this year. And they'll have to get that done. Uh, the Chiefs will as they make their way through it. So let's uh, let's give something away here, and then we'll turn the page off of the Chiefs a little bit in their matchup. We'll have much more on the Chiefs throughout the week. Real quick, 869-1240. Yes, Chad. I was just going to say real quick, though, it's not necessarily the Chiefs' defense that, that that concerns me much going into this game. This is an offense that hasn't scored in the last two games. I, I, they, they need to. Um, they have to put points on the board to beat Miami. There's just no other. There's no other way around it. I don't care how good your defense is. You got to put some points on the board with your offense and not just with Harrison Butker. Well, I, I don't know, Jed. Like that's that's sort of the thing, though. And that number has gone down, by the way, to forty three and a half. It opened at like forty six. Uh, so I, I think 
I'm sh- you know my my brain is being shared with a lot of betters. But Kansas City, I think, can win with Butker. I think Kansas City can win scoring twenty ish points a game. I I, I you know. It's almost like Cincinnati was this revelation game where it's like, you know what? Let's take the field goal. This isn't a team anymore that needs to be going for it on fourth and three. To like feel when your defense is as good as the Chiefs has been, you can win with field goals. Baltimore, not this year necessarily, but over the years has made a living with that. Pittsburgh has made a living with that. Take your field goals. You know, if you if you've got productive drives that end in points. Maybe you do just need one touchdown and four field goals, and all of a sudden you're sitting right around 20 points. I mean, I like the Chiefs' chances when they score like that. Uh, No team, by the way, Buffalo got 20 on the Chiefs, and that was was on December 10th. The four games since, nobody's put up more than 20. I I think that you can sort of use that as a baseline, right? That, that I don't know what to make of the Green Bay game, but again, like most of these points being scored on the Chiefs are because the offense made a mistake, right? Like that's where most of that's coming yeah, from. Yeah. So if the offense doesn't make a mistake, I do think you can win with field goals, and I think that's why this is a really interesting Chiefs postseason team. It will look so much different. It will probably be ugly, but I do think they can ugly their way to a Super Bowl. Huh. I just wonder what the over is on Butker field goal point totals. <laughs> it'll be it'll be at least two point five, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, let's let's see because and and I agree with you. That's an interesting bet to make the rest of the way because while the Chiefs historically have not always been uh, inclined to just take their field goals, they are now. And Butker's been as good as there is in the business this year. And so, you, you know, you look at it, and we'll see. I don't know if that's available just yet. I don't think it is. Um, yeah, I think we're still I think we're still looking at it. Uh, no, we've got field goals made here. Okay, so Harrison Butker, right now, over one and a half field goals is even money. I think Jad just woke <laughs> me up to a bet that I'll be making. In All fact, right. I will... I will be making that bet because I think he, two field goals from Butker this year with this team at even money. Yeah. That feels like a really good bet. Yeah. Uh, I, I think they, because they're more inclined to kick it than they have been. Like if they're fourth and three inside the 40, they're, they're kicking a field goal unless it's late in the game and they're down big. They're taking the points now. And and that's, you, you have to, you have to, it'd be criminal if they don't based on what we've seen this season. you This isn't a team that needs to be going for it on fourth and three, unless like they, they have been able to do in years past. Oh, as you pointed out earlier, though, unless they get down early. Well, right, yeah, that's yeah. and that goes back to the offense not making mistakes. If the offense makes mistakes, they're screwed. Like, the only way this formula works is if the offense does what it almost hasn't done all year, and that is to to take care of the football, not have the key penalties. That's it. Like, that's the only way this works. And I know that's a long shot. I'm not saying it's likely. I'm saying it's possible. It's it's probably unlikely, in fact, because it hasn't really happened all year. But it's there. The formula is there. The ability to do it is there. And now it becomes an execution thing. And the offense has to be the first part of that. You have to let your defense, your special team shine. And the, the, the thing that you do that makes that not happen is you turn the ball over. You have key penalties on second and third down, whatever it is. Like, you can't do that. And they've done that all year. 
So I get it. It's not again. They have to. They have to play their best right now. But I do think their best is good enough to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, we'll see. Miami, Miami, Miami is seems like a really good matchup to open up the postseason for them. It it, it just does to me. Like it, honestly, it probably seems like outside of Pittsburgh, the best matchup the Chiefs could have. I'd rather see Miami than Cleveland or Houston right now. Certainly more than Baltimore. Certainly more, more than, than Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I think the Dolphins outside of Pittsburgh are the team that I would like to see the most if I was Kansas City. Now they got to go get it done, and they have to be able to do it. You'll, of course, hear the game uh, with us on the Odyssey family on the Chiefs radio network. If you missed anything with the executive producer, by the way, of the Chiefs radio network and his thoughts on the game, you can go back to yesterday's show and listen to that for free on the Odyssey app. Okay, let's give away some HTO here, Jab. We'll take a break. Uh, we'll try to get Tommy back in here. Uh, in just a little bit, and we'll we'll move on to some other stories. Uh, but let's do a couple of free Brewhouse coffee drinks. These will be good for the HTO in East Wichita or the HTO in Derby. Back open in the cold weather, perfect time for a hot coffee or maybe you're an iced coffee fan. Uh, there's a ton to choose from. If you haven't been in, uh, these will get you two free ones. You can bring those in, again, to the East Wichita location or the HTO in Derby. Good luck, everybody. Jad will get us a winner. First caller during the break right now on that KFH hotline, 869-1240. We'll be back with more Sports Daily right after this. Welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily here on KFH. Jacob Albrocht with you on this Wednesday. Uh, Tommy will be back in in just a little bit. Boy, did you see college basketball last night? So CBS puts out a top 25 and one. It's not like the official AP, but it moved Kansas back up. Nebraska beat Purdue last night. Uh, uh, Houston lost to Iowa State last night. So those two fall down at the from the top, and, and this is going to be chaotic this year. So be what's interesting with Kansas tonight. I, I don't know yet in college basketball if we have like the team that's going to make a run through and be like a two or three loss team. I don't think so. And Kansas, I thought you know before the year, I thought Kansas maybe had a chance to do that. Still seemed unlikely with the gauntlet of the Big Twelve. But certainly what we've seen from Kansas thus far this season doesn't tell us that they're going to be that kind of team, like the Doken Dot team, right, where it just seemed like, man, this team is so much better than everybody. I don't know that we're going to have that. I do think, though, Kansas absolutely will be right there in the mix at the top of the teams closest to it. They're going to have to figure out what they are offensively, uh, and and we'll see tonight. I, I just don't see this team all of a sudden becoming a great shooting team. I don't think that's in the DNA of this KU roster. I think there might you know there might be games where they shoot the three well, but they're not even really like Bill Self's not even really having them try. And I think that should tell us everything we need to know about that. Dewan Harris. I, I mean, again, we say it all the time. Got to be a bigger part of the offense, and I think that they'll still be dynamic offensively, but they get going uh, tonight. But it was interesting to see uh, the two teams ahead of them, you know, maybe in some people's eyes, go down last night, both of them. Houston, I had, I had a buddy text and said, you know, welcome to the Big 12. Houston comes in at number one and is promptly uh, beat on the road in Ames. Welcome to the Big 12. And, boy, that is that that couldn't be 
that couldn't be more right. Like that is that's so that is such a welcome to the Big Twelve moment. So good, uh, good for Iowa State there as Houston falters for the first time this year. Let's look at some of these other NFL playoff games here. So the Bills have now moved to a ten point uh, favorite over the Steelers. As much as like I, I it's it's really hard. even with Rudolph at quarterback. I, I'm curious on this one. Like the Steelers feel like they have no chance, but given the Steelers ten points in the playoffs also seems crazy. I, I don't think I'm betting any part of that game. Thirty six points is the over under. Maybe that's where I would lean to the over there. Uh, Browns Texans is a forty four and a half point over. I'd lean over there for sure. Um, that's the first game. So that's the Saturday afternoon game. And Houston is getting points at home. Now, Cleveland is dangerous, man. And, I, and I've and i said that for a long time. This is, of all the games this weekend, just like as a matchup, I think this game and the Rams-Lions are the most interesting. You know, be, only because I, the Eagles and Bucks are interesting, but because in an ugly way, right? Like, I, it's just like somebody's going to survive that game. I think Rams-Lions we'll see a really fun, competitive, high-energy game. I think we'll see the same things with Browns-Texans. I, I, They may be my two favorite games of the weekend because I think the Chiefs should handle business against the Dolphins. I also think the Cowboys will handle business versus the Packers. Uh, the Bills will handle things. So those are the three games to me that could get you know bigger margins. Bucks-Eagles, I, I, I have no idea what to expect there except that it's, it's – ugly like I I don't know I really like I got nothing for for Eagles Bucks but boy Browns Texans Rams Lions I think are two very very fascinating fascinating uh games matchups storylines whatever you want to do and Stafford look Stafford going back to Detroit should be fun I you know our guy Malcolm Carter who comes in to Sports Daily occasionally I saw him on social media, like there, there's this debate going on, and this happens among franchises, among Lions fans. Like, what do we do here with Stafford? Do we boo him? Do we treat him like a normal road quarterback? Do we show him the respect he deserves? And like, it's this conflict of like, yeah, he deserves all the respect in the world. There's not a person in Detroit that has any ill will toward Matt Stafford, but he's also the opposing quarterback. I, I mean, I think the answer is you let him have it, like you would anybody else. And then after the game, you give him a standing ovation, whatever it is. Uh, but that dynamic is is such an interesting part of that game. I like the Rams. It's not anything against the Lions. I've liked the Rams for a while to have a puncher's chance against anybody that they play. I, I think that, you know, Stafford, they're, they're as healthy, really, as they've been all year. They've got their weapons there. I, I think I'm on the Rams there. So the Rams are the only dog I think that I would pick. I Again, I don't know what to do with Eagles Bucks. I'm probably on a total stay away from that game. But as much as I think Browns Texans are interesting, I would probably still lean Browns as the favorite. So really the only underdog I'm looking at as a winner this weekend is is the Rams over the Lions. And, you know, the Rams getting that matchup works itself to my Rams have a chance to to make some noise here argument. I don't think that would have been the case against the Cowboys. Certainly against the Eagles or Buccaneers, uh, it would have been the case. But, you know, th- this, will be, this will be a fascinating weekend. Typically, it's the next weekend that's really good in the NFL playoffs, the next two, in fact. But the next weekend, right, the divisional round weekend, 
I, I love it so much. This one, I don't remember what it did last year with the expansion, uh, but I, I think it will be okay. I think it will be pretty entertaining. You get the Chiefs on Saturday night. They'll have a good game ahead of them with Browns and Texans. Um, Browns and Texans, by the, so I'll be on CBS Sports Radio this weekend. I will be there Saturday from 4 to 9. So I'm going to get in a halftime report uh, on the Browns-Texans game and then close to a half game. It may not be halftime yet before I go up, but I'm going to do that for both of the NFL playoff games. So we'll have that. That'll be kind of fun uh, if you're out and about. Uh, Tommy rejoins us now. As we go through it, Tommy, I, I, for me, the only underdog I would take as an outright winner is the Rams. I'm not touching Eagles-Bucks. I have no idea what to expect in that game. But I think I'm still leaning Browns. I, I'll call the Rams the only, of the first five games, the only upset winner outright. I think that with the way the Eagles have played the last month or so, I think the Buccaneers have an opportunity the to The Bucs upset. haven't played well either. Uh, they played well a couple of weeks ago. Baker Mayfield threw for a ton of yards a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and the Eagles have been in free fall. The game is in Tampa. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if the Buccaneers upset the Eagles with the way that Philadelphia has been playing. I mean, the, the Bucks lost to the Saints a couple of weeks ago, though. I know Baker Mayfield had yards, but he had two picks. And then last week was a was a joke against Carolina. It's, for me, it's Jacksonville. Le- for me, it's less about the way the Buccaneers have played. I, I it's agree. more about the I way agree. the Eagles have played. Totally. Totally. And I agree with that. But the Eagles do feel significantly more talented. Now, I don't know. Is A.J. Brown going to play? I don't know that we've gotten that update. I know, that, that's M- kinda... I know he had an MRI. I don't know his status for this weekend. Um, it, I guess it wasn't as bad as they originally thought. Yeah. It's at least not an ACL, I think, was the initial thing that I saw. So if it's at least not an ACL, then okay. If, if Brown plays, I just... What do you do with the Eagles? Well, they by the have way, been so strange. Can we talk about how A.J. Brown and even Jalen Hurts got hurt in a game that didn't really mean anything for the Eagles? Like, why are they Why are they playing in the game? Why are they, why, you know, did you see Nick, the picture Nick of... Sirianni's catching heat, man. Did you see He's the picture catch, yeah, of Jalen Hurts' finger? they didn't know it wasn't finger? for anything. Did you see that? They didn't did know see? they weren't playing for anything. Well, I get, no, but I didn't it turned, see the picture. It turned out to be meaningless. I mean, Hurts' finger was, like, sticking sideways at one point. Um, and he, he went back in and played, and it looks like he's going to be fine. But, you know, why risk it at that point? Sirianni has gotten a lot of heat the last few weeks. For good reason, the team has kind of fell apart. Um, I mean, should Nick Sirianni be on any kind of hot seat? I, I think there are people wanting to put him on I think, if they, get I think bounced, if they get bounced by the Buccaneers in this wild card round, then I think you got to start having those conversations. Like, has Sirianni lost the team? Has he lost the locker well, room? they— so they lost their offensive coordinator, and that clearly has hurt them. And we wondered, right? As, they as, lost as, their that, defensive you know, as, coordinator, too. They lost both of them. Yeah, that's true. I think it's the offense, though, that's been the real yeah. elephant in the room. And that happens, right? Like, you you, you got to be able to coach through coordinator loss. And we'll see. I don't, think, I don't think he should be on the hot seat yet. It has been a fall from grace. It, 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 you know, in a different way. I mean, I think you you can't not give them a chance because their best game is still good enough. They just haven't played it in forever. When was the last time they played well, right? Like the last time they played well, was it against the Giants? But then outside of that, like it's been 
since December. Like it has been a long time since they've felt what it feels like to be good, I think. And boy, I, I don't know what, again, I don't know what to do with that game because I don't think the Buccaneers are playing particularly well right now either. I'm on a total stay away from that game. I'll just sit back and, and you know, watch that dumpster fire roll right on through and see what happens. But I don't know. The other ones, though, I think all the other games have a chance to be pretty good, pretty entertaining. Uh, but my favorite is Rams-Lions. I think Browns-Texans is going to be really good, too. Uh, and for the for the Chiefs, I think it's just more that I think they're at a, such an advantage over the Dolphins. I'm not quite as like this game could go down to the wire as I am with those other two. Uh, we'll see. But it should be a good wild card weekend. The next round is going to be fantastic. I will say that next next weekend will be incredible. You know, I'm with you. I kind of think that, um, you know, if there's going to be a most likely upset winner, the Rams are probably most likely to do that. Although they have to go to Detroit and Jared Goff has played great at home this year. The Lions have played pretty well yeah. inside their home dome. And of course, the storylines of Matt Stafford coming back to Detroit, all of that, you know, Jared Goff playing his former team. Like there are all of these great storylines, um, you know, Mike McCarthy playing the Packers. Tyreek Hill going back to Arrowhead. They, I mean, this all kind of lined out really well for the NFL as far as the matchups in the wild card uh, because there are all these great storylines. But, yeah, I think a most likely upset winner, probably the Rams over the Lions. Um, you know, I think that I think that that's probably the one, although you know, I'm still going to lean Lions in this. I think most likely probably the Rams, but the Lions probably win. Yeah. It, 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 well, the the Lions have something to prove here, right? I mean, it's, I don't think the Lions need to be scared of the Rams by any means. Like, the Lions are moderately healthy. They should be able to do what they want to do and play their brand. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. The football and... I mean, are they good enough to beat San Francisco or Dallas? Probably in the postseason, probably. But I think I think the Rams are too. I mean, on one hand, I'm glad they're playing in the first round because it gives us this great matchup. On the other, I wish it was like Eagles at Lions and Rams at Bucks, right? Because I think both of those teams could win. I, so, so it's a little of both. I, I do. I think those are two teams that are easy to root for uh, between the Lions. And the Rams. All right, let's take a quick break. Uh, we'll come back, by the way. Congratulations to Tommy, not Caster, at least I don't think it is, for winning some HTO. Um, he's got to pay. We make Tommy pay for his coffee. Um, we'll get back to some more Sports Daily. Albrecht and Caster, Jad Chambers producing when we return right after this. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily on KFH. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster. Glad to be here with you on this Wednesday. A um, couple more minutes here, Tommy. I think let's um, let's take this from a betting perspective on K-State tonight. Uh, one bet, by the way, Tommy, while you were gone, that I, I feel like we need to let you and everybody else know about again, and Jad brought this up. You can get Harrison Butker in that Chiefs game over one and a half field goals made at even money, Tommy. Just just file that away. Well, that's an that's got to be an auto bet. That's an auto bet right away. Auto bet, right? Like I, that's man. I I feel like we're jinxing this, but I I, I uh, just thanks Jad for asking about that. I mean, how many I don't field goals that has Harrison Butker had in the last two weeks combined? I don't know, like man. nine, nine or he had six in one game. I don't remember how many he had last week. He's had, well, he had two. So he's had eight in the last two weeks. Yeah. I mean, come on. It's, uh, I, I, it's, and it's just like, it's so, and, and a lot of it is maybe historic, but the Chiefs are going to change what they do, right? The Chiefs are not going to just go for it every time now on fourth down, like they have in a lot of times. And so, like, I, I think that we just have to, pay attention to the way that they're going to play now all right so I'm looking at uh and I don't know if we have I don't know if we have play, we have some player props here uh, and I'm looking at FanDuel right now for KU UCF so I always when I look at KU my first place to go is Kevin McCullough what's his over on points 18 and a half that has almost been an auto bet for me all year long I, I am always going to go to Kevin McCullough because I think without you know being a three-point shooting team they just need him pretty consistently. And as I pull up his game log, so if it's over 18 and a half, how many games has he been? I mean, so three out of the last four, he's hit that number. And five out of the last seven, he's hit that number. Uh, so McCuller on the road, 18 and a half points. Um, he has hit that. By the way, as I look at road game, he hit it against Indiana, which was their last road game. He hit it against Marquette, Chaminade. 
so their last three road games, he's also hit that number. So that's the first place I go, Tommy, when I look at KU. But despite like KU's bet outright, like I'm going to take a minus seven and a half, but I'm probably also back in on McCuller over points. I also really like Hunter Dickinson and uh, three-pointers made for Dickinson. He had a couple of them in the TCU game. And, you know, it's not uncommon for Dickinson to step back and shoot a three. And, and right now you can get him um, at minus 125 for over uh, a half of a three-pointer. So he's just he's got to make one three-pointer in the game to cash that bet. So I like that one a lot uh, for him. And then, you know, we talked about Dewan Harris and his lack of scoring. Right now his over-under in point total is eight and a half. I like the under on that. I think that, you know, he just can't do it yet. I think, I mean, he's going to probably score six points, four or six. That's kind of where Dewan Harris has been. Uh, You were talking about Kevin McCuller and every single game this season that the Jayhawks have played, their leading score has been either Hunter Dickinson or Kevin McCuller. So if you want to take a bet as far as points, you can kind of lean on one of those two guys. Yeah. I mean, so right now for me, it's probably what I'm looking at is getting uh, plus 208 on KU to cover seven and a half and McCuller over points. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor, you are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. That's probably my bet for KU tonight. Um, and, and that's just kind of where I'll live with it. And then, yeah, thanks, Jad, because I got to go get in on Butker now because that thing is not going to stay at even money. It will not stay at even money by the time that game kicks off. I, I don't think there's any chance at that. Uh, but anything else with KU, I usually like uh, maybe the combo, right, for Hunter Dickinson, the points, rebounds, assists for Hunter Dickinson. So that will – it's not out yet, and neither are any of K.J. Adams' props. You mentioned him earlier, which could be interesting. Uh, but I do like it as a spot for KU to look really good tonight. I would be really, really hesitant to bet the line, to bet the over-under line on this because UCF didn't score the basketball well at all against Kansas State inside Bramlage a week ago. And so I think that number is, what, at 144, somewhere around there, the over-under. Yeah. I'm really yep. hesitant on that. Um, not that I, I, I don't, you know, think that Kansas is going to score. I just think UCF, they don't have a ton of, you know, offensive weapons. So I, I just don't, I don't have a lot of confidence in that. And if I were to bet that over-under, i definitely lean under. I don't, I almost never like uh, over-unders in college basketball. I think they are insanely difficult to bet. And and you just like unless it's the under, but I, I, who likes betting unders? Like nobody like. But that's the bet tonight. I agree. I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm, but, I'm but staying I away I, from it. I'm not going to bet that. But yeah, if you I can't, do, look at the under for sure. I can't in good faith root for less offense. I just like I don't enjoy that as much. It's sort of like Michigan and Washington. 
I'm not betting on Michigan. And I know that's a dumb way to bet, but I don't bet enough for it to matter. You know, like I just I bet small amounts. So like I, I I'm not I'm not betting Michigan. But yeah, my bets tonight, McCullough over points, KU to cover, and I'm gonna take a look at both Dickinson and KJ Adams combos when they come out of like points, rebounds, assists. And if you know, if they're hovering for Dickinson, it's usually around thirty. Uh, I'm gonna guess for Adams it'll be around like twenty two. Uh, I I might get interested in either of those, but I'll hey, probably just at, end up playing it safe. Take a look at Dickinson shooting the three. I mean that, that I know it's even money good. at one. Yeah. I I know I know. I, it, it, I agree, and, and they'll get they'll one of the sites will offer some same game parlay crazy bonuses, and then I'll go attack all of them. Right then you then you kind of go get after all of them and bet a couple bucks and try and hit a little scratch off lottery ticket. Uh, but that game tips uh, six o'clock tonight. So we will, well, we'll we'll find out here pretty quick with Kansas. I again, go win this game big, please, Kansas. You've got an opportunity. Houston and Purdue lost yesterday. Go flex a little bit. Go flex and get a big win. And by the way, can I mention Houston really quick? I mean, is there a more overrated team in America than Houston? I mean, the, like, mm-hmm. take a look at their schedule. You talked about how weak UCF yeah. is scheduled. I'd have to go look. Houston's I'd have to non-con look. has been so pillowy soft. They get their first Big 12 challenge against Iowa State, and they can't get it done. They were down yeah, huge I'll go at the look. beginning of the game. I'll look at their schedule. I thought they had a couple big wins. I could be totally wrong about that. Uh, but, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll go check that out. Kansas, look, it's a big, big opportunity for Kansas tonight. They're not on national TV, but people are paying attention with Purdue and Houston going down. We'll come back. We'll wrap up this Wednesday Sports Daily right after this. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh.